everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Making Science podcast. Um, I'm Jason Dowdy, the U.S. CEO for Making Science, and I am thrilled to be here today with an old friend and colleague, Connor Lang, who is the global lead for sales engineering and marketing science in GCAS at Google. Welcome, Connor. Welcome. Thanks for having me, Jason. Yeah, of course, man. And uh, today we're going to talk about a topic that is near and dear to my heart, but more near and dear to yours uh, as an expert uh, at Google um, in the U.S. and globally since the uh, consumers got a hold of it in Q4 roughly of last year. And everybody said, whoa, this is like a real thing. And uh, it's been a pretty wild, wild first half to, uh, to 2023. To say the least. Yeah. So I'm um, excited to kind of take and get a sense for, uh, you know, your perspective uh, individually and also kind of things that are going on at Google um, and talk about how uh, clients and folks in the marketing industry can be thinking about AI in 2023 and beyond and how to take advantage of its uh, of its many uh, potential benefits. So just kind of like as an overview, what, what, is, what does AI mean, you know, in your mind, Connor? Uh, what does it mean for marketing? You know, I think you're absolutely right that it's sort of taken, I think, the world, but our industry especially, by storm. Um, and I think for me, like if I was just break it down into a single word, like AI would mean opportunity. And I think you can kind of look at it many different ways, but sort of AI can be an opportunity to automate tasks and focus teams' efforts on higher value activities, right? Um, you're going to get some business efficiency that way. It's also an opportunity to understand data in new ways. We've used a lot of predictive AI in this industry for some time. Uh, in the past, you know, we've used a lot of machine learning as the terminology, which is all AI. That really can help you better understand data and segments of audiences. Now with generative AI, that might be help, helping you explain your data better or help you know folks that are less technical and more strategy interact with deeper data sets in new ways. So I think understanding of data and being able to make better, more informed decisions is another opportunity that AI brings to the business. Um, and I think third, especially when you think about the explosion of generative AI, I think it's the ability to create new experiences for customers and help grow businesses and increase profitability. So sort of doing things you weren't, weren't possible before with sort of the AI tools and, and other technologies that we've had at our disposal. So opportunity, I think, is the headline here, and that's a very multifaceted opportunity. Yeah, that's an awesome way to think about it. I, I think of AI as kind of like a, like a, almost like a curve, you know, for progression. And like you mentioned automation, you know, automating tasks, you mentioned predictive AI and generative AI. The way I think about it is kind of like automation allows you to free up time to speak to your customers more, uh, predictive AI, uh, helps you decide who to target uh, and how much to pay for those for that targeting. And generative AI is like helps you determine what to say <laughs> when you talk to them. Does that sound fair? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, the way I think about you know, I think generative AI again to your point is like kind of got the focus. But there's so many tools in your AI tool belt, and you need to be using all of them. I think to really see the the biggest impact you can for your business. And we sort of have this newer tool, the generative AI tool, that sort of entered the tool chest if you will. And I think we're seeing a lot of businesses really trying to figure out how do I not just like test this and experiment, but like, what does this mean foundationally, institutionally for my business? Um, but that's exactly right. 
Yeah. And, you know, speaking of generative AI, obviously, like we, you know, I mentioned earlier how it just like exploded on the scene into public consciousness, but it has to your, you mentioned earlier about predictive AI has been, has been worked on for, for a time. Um, what do you think today in like middle of 2023 is, is so exciting about it uh, at this point? Yeah. I mean, I think you, at the outset, you kind of nailed, um, you had the nail on the head that, um, you know, the, the world was sort of, uh, you know, caught by surprise a little bit with generative AI with the launch of ChatGPT or the sort of uh, broader accessibility of ChatGPT at the end of last year. Um, and, you know, we've had a lot of innovative technology outside of AI in the past several years, you know, blockchain and things of that nature. But ChatGPT was something that was, I think, very accessible and understandable to the broader human populace and was sort of crystallized what this sort of technology could mean. So I think that I think the, the the speed at which that became understood by um, not just our industry but you know everyone our mothers and our fathers right um, I think is what spurred the industry to really put a deeper focus on this and I think that's triggering a much more um, a much larger investment and innovation within the space that's not only like bringing this technology to to bear for businesses as it existed but also making the rapid advancement of it move even faster so I think. Um, when you can really take a technology and make it well understood to the layperson, you're going to see this massive business opportunity um, follow. So I think to me, that's what's exciting. And that's always a really interesting time when you can sort of see, um, you know, evolution start to speed up as a result of like a market event like that. Um, when you look at businesses then, right, I think, what does this mean? We talked a lot about efficiency before. So I think there's cost savings and time savings that any AI and even, you know, especially generative AI can bring. But I think there's also like a new, a net new experience that you can provide to customers, more personalization, um, which ultimately should drive you higher profitability. So I think you're saving costs while improving your ability to be profitable all at the same time, which I think is a, to any business, obviously a very compelling proposition. Yeah, totally. That makes a lot of sense. Obviously, like anything you can do to kind of achieve business goals in a very concrete way. Like it, you know, AI is kind of a big topic and it does a lot of things, right? It's like, it's in robots and it's in Alexa and it's in, you know, all the things that we interact with every day. But when you can actually use it to apply and like make your bottom line better, that's really where like making science. And I know uh, lots of the folks in the, in the industry now are trying to figure out how to do that and explain it in a way that will allow companies to implement these things and to experiment. You, you mentioned test and learn and experiment earlier. Super, super important, obviously, with any new technology, but especially with one as fast moving um, as as AI and and, and particularly particularly generative AI. Um, what is Google doing these days, uh, like broad strokes, to kind of uh, investigate the power of this and to bring it to their clients? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think even a number of years ago, Google sort of came out and announced we're, we're an AI first company. So this isn't sort of a new phenomenon. For us, although I think like the terminology generative AI and others is sort of more accessible and now more used in the course of conversation. But I think this trend has been something that Google's been certainly all over for, for a long time, as you know, we both know. Um, you know, not to be exhaustive here, but I'd say there's sort of three different areas that we're seeing AI, or I could bucket it, maybe I'd think of three different areas. There's sort of the consumer experience, right? You you've seen things like the new search generative experience baked into um search, there's components of AI and maps, right, and YouTube, et cetera. So, you know, our consumers experience aspects of AI all the time and have been. 
think when I move more into the business side within the ad space, um, a ton of predictive AI has been built throughout our tools, right? So when you think about things like in Google Analytics 4, things like conversion modeling and behavioral uh, modeling, which help you fill gaps in data, whether it's a result of you know technology or regulated regulatory changes, modeling is what's underpinning and AI is what's underpinning all of those components, right? So we've seen a lot of AI in those tools. Generative AI is coming to a lot of tools as well. Um, and I think we're seeing things like even within Google ads for folks that only have, say, vertical videos, having generative AI help them develop a, a, a vertical video from a horizontal video. These are things that are, are giving additional scale, helping with additional personalization. Um, we're unlocking new interactions they can have with customers. So we're seeing AI in pockets, and we kind of call this embedded or AI lives in the ads tools that's easy to access. For businesses, it's important to use these things because they're accessible to everyone. So it's important to use them and use them well to receive um, the benefits, right? They're almost table stakes at this point. And then when you move sort of outside of the ads tools and using the AI that's embedded there well, um, that's sort of like what Google Cloud can offer. Um, you know, there's a number of different uh, both sort of text to image and text to text and large language models available there. I think that's where businesses can truly innovate and differentiate. How are they bringing their data to bear, making it accessible to AI from Google Cloud? And that's, I think, where you'll see a lot of power um, you know, businesses can derive from, from that technology. And then how do they use those two schools together, the AI outside that they can build themselves and then integrate that with the things that live within their ad buying and measurement tools is where they'll see a lot of like synergies and improved performance and return on their investments. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. And obviously uh, having effects in uh, in kind of your your data layer in the cloud space, as well as in your activation layer in the ad space, like there's there's opportunity to use your word from early on all over, right? In terms of AI, you can, you can find different ways to, uh, to take advantage of it. Have you seen any... Um, particular verticals or use cases that have kind of started to experiment more with it. I know you spent a lot of time in auto and, and CPG and tech uh, in, in your org. Um, I've seen it, you know, obviously in retail, people that have Google shopping, uh, a lot of like Google shopping heavy things. Have you seen anything like early on that you're, you're seeing clients or partners that are doing some interesting things? Yeah. I mean, I think, um, you know, broadly speaking, there's some, you know, differentiation you see across vertical. I think there's been a lot of attention on sort of the creative generation space. And I think it still will be some time before you're sort of um, getting a banner ad out of a, a prompt, right? I think uh, ready to run on the internet, but I think that's sort of the direction of travel. But today I think we're seeing generative AI for some customers helping with taking an existing asset and modifying it to be more personal. Um, you know, we had a large CPG, um, you know, take an existing video uh, and actually use Gen AI to modify. So the you know the the spokesman that was speaking in the video was referencing the local mom and pop shop selling the product, right? To be able to film thousands of different iterations and have that spokesman say the different th uh, you know name of a of a you know mom and pop shop off a list is inefficient and probably difficult to do and likely costly. So bringing up the power of Gen AI to increase personalization um, at an effective cost and at speed, I think is a really interesting case. Um, of what we can do today with generative AI um, to sort of like, you know, leverage the technology at hand. Um, and I would say a lot of folks right now are starting to really understand that um, data is sort of the fuel for AI and realize they don't have a strong data organization strategy. So are essentially well, uh, not well positioned to take advantage of the opportunity. So this is a cross vertical theme, but 
thinking to like, where does my media performance data live? Where does my first party data live? Where does my historic, you know, media uh, creative assets live? Do I have a storage uh, organization strategy for that? Like these are things that are starting to happen from a conversation standpoint now because folks see the opportunity and realize they don't have the right underlying foundations in place to really seize the moment. So I think cross vertical outside of the other example, um, it's really setting the stage to use this well as an enterprise um, that folks are starting to have that aha moment with. That's really interesting. Yeah. I mean, so you're saying like, there's all this cool stuff you can do, right? But you have to have a layer of like basics, like uh, whether that be uh, data de-siloing, right? Getting getting the data in the same place to be used, uh, you know, across different data sets uh, within your organization and then, you know, plug those into the machine. I've always said that like, you know, people, clients have asked me, uh, you know, how do we create differentiation? If, if the machine is going to do all the work, how do we create differentiation? And it's like, well, to what you just said, Connor, you know, you have to have data and you have to have good data. You have to have clean data. You have to have it organized in the right place. And so like the machine learning and the artificial intelligence is only as good as your, as your input, right? Absolutely. I mean, I think data was the differentiator before and that, and that remains true even now, maybe even more so. Um now you may be quicker or more advanced, more sophisticated than your competitors, and that's an advantage, but that's not to say someone can't, you know, catch you in the foot race. Being have an effective having an effective data strategy and organization strategy, uh, and there's also a people strategy there too, is what's sort of, you know, I think going to um, you know, set you apart and set you up as a business to take the highest possible advantage from from the opportunity. So that, different, that point of differentiation, which is unique to your business, how you interact with customers, the data you collect on what's worked and what hasn't, how you feed that back into AI systems to learn, uh, train them and improve your operations is, I think, you know, what's going to continue to be your differentiator um, now. And as AI gets better and better, that will be more and more true. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I know we talk a lot about the three Ps, you know, people, process and platforms. You talked about people, you know, I tell my my kids who are all kind of in their early 20s, like, you know, if you want to have options going forward, learn how to talk to the salespeople and the business people and learn how to talk to the tech people. And so I think every organization has to have those people like yourself <laughs> that can talk, that can talk to both, uh, to both sides, because that like, that's where the magic happens, right? Absolutely. And I think right now with, with the rapid advance of this technology, it doesn't mean the complexity has been reduced. Um, and all of anything, things have gotten a bit more complex. And I think sifting through what's fact and fiction and what's possible today versus sort of what will be possible in the future um, is where you as a business want to figure out who your internal experts are, who are your external experts, who are your partners that are trusted advisors. Um, these are all things that can help you sort of navigate. You mentioned maturity and the maturity journey before. Like it is a journey. You're not going to get to fully AI powered tomorrow, but what does that journey for you look like? What are the steps you need to take? What are the tests you need to run? And what's your sort of people and partner strategy to sort of manage that effectively, I think is where we're going, you know, what you need to do now um, to sort of take the right steps, um, you know, through this, this journey, which it is, as I mentioned, a journey. Yeah, totally. And I think, you know, to use a, an American baseball analogy, a lot of people will say, oh, we're just in the first inning. 
like I would argue that we're not even in the ballpark yet. We're still in the parking lot and we haven't bought our ticket. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's just really, really, really odd. And the art of the possible is is so crazy to think about. Like, like the future is just bright with opportunity to go back to that word that you started with. What, uh, where do you see the next, I don't know, I, I'd say five years, but that might just be too crazy to even think about. Like, where, where do you see the next, you know, year or two or three going with, with, uh, you know, with with the art of the possible for for an AI and AI Yeah, I think it's it's a it's maybe the, the billion dollar question, right? More than the million dollar question. Um, you know, I think you know first and foremost, I think um, you know I see this technology continuing um, to improve and continuing to be more accessible, um, and I think it's really incumbent upon businesses to understand what their investment in this technology is. Um, as well as what should they build, what should partners be building for them, and what should they be relying on other tech vendors to build so they get and reap the benefits of those sort of embedded components. So to me, right now, I think it's sort of strategy time uh, and test and invest time with a lot of advertisers. I think it's hard to say exactly what will be possible when, but um, like I said at the beginning, it's really about data as a foundation. If you have a poor data strategy, you will always be lagging behind sort of that bleeding edge of where this technology is um so if you want to sort of be riding this top of that wave it's important to get your house in order and figure out what are those pieces what's important to you from a business standpoint efficiency um you know net new you know capabilities or experiences and sort of lining up you know your partners and your tech to um you know get you there uh, i think i wouldn't wait until you know you can fully generate uh all of your advertisements and marketing assets and campaigns and creatives, it's important to get your you know feet in the water now and test into what works for you, what doesn't work for you, and sort of what are the gaps that you have from a tech stack and a data standpoint that are holding you back. Um, because the, the train is going to continue to move. I'd argue this game doesn't end in the ninth inning, right? There may be an infinite amount of innings here to play. Uh, it's, a, it's a long game and, and you, know, you need to start playing it now. Extra innings. Yeah, I spent a very long, very long time. Well, that's amazing. Um, I like to keep these, you know, relatively short so people can listen to them on the way to work. Um, but Connor Lang, global lead, sales engineering and marketing science at Google. It's and and a friend. It's been an amazing uh, honor having you on here, and uh, and looking forward to uh, to doing more of it in the future. Yeah, thanks for having me. I think super exciting space, super exciting topic, and uh, you know excited to see where it goes and, you know, like partner together. All right.